So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in a couple different places. Uh, Proverbs 31, obviously, and then we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Mothers, in essence, are the CEOs of their homes. They are the wipers of dirty noses, the ones who fix foods and and wipe away tears. It's interesting when, when, when a baby gets hurt, when a young child gets hurt, they're not crying out saying, oh daddy, oh daddy, please. Are they? No. Rather they're, mom, mom. Why? Because mom has that tender, tender care about herself. And it's interesting, it, it, ladies, let's, let's just take a poll here. If, if a baby cries, you're shopping in a grocery store, you're in Walmart, you're in some department store, and you hear a baby cry, and it's one of those sad, genuine cries. How many of you, as mothers, have a concerned heart? Okay? Yeah, absolutely. But men are like, ah, wish that baby be quiet. Right? But as women, we're like, oh, they're like, oh, that's, that's, we want to try to, the ladies want to nurture, they want to help, they want to fix that's their, that's their nature. And that, listen, that was put there by God Almighty. That nature, that nurturing personality in a mother was put there by God. And, and I've noticed when suffering was present on any level, my mother would be the number one person to reassure me that everything was going to be okay. She was the one who would come alongside and she would... She would take care of my heart. She, she focused on trying to go after my heart. Because she knew if my heart would be cultivated, then the rest of it would follow. And uh, that was what she did. She reassured me that everything would be okay. Even if she wasn't sure if it was going to be okay, she would sure tell me, listen, it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm bleeding out. I'm struggling and just just to make it. It's going to be okay, baby. You're going to be fine. I'm like, am I though? Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I called when I broke my knee skiing? My mom. Collect call. This is before before the days of cell phones. I'm in Colorado. I collect called my mom. Collect call from your son. Hello? Mom, I broke my kneecap. And, oh, baby, are you okay? You know what my dad's response was? Ha! I hurt myself worse than that shaving. (laughs) Of course, Dad, thanks. Appreciate that. But, Mom, are you going to be okay? Are you got everything? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I'm on crutches. But she was the one who, it's going to be okay, sweetheart. You're going to be okay. She was a confident, humble woman. And number two, she was always the one who wanted to fix the problems. And, and she overshadowed everything in her life with the, the desire to present and show off the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've told you guys a dozen different times how throughout the house growing up, she had Bible verses everywhere, from white switches to the bathroom to every, I mean, it was just everywhere. And she, she had a desire to proclaim Christ to the world that she could impact. And her direct impact was on myself and my brother. That was what she wanted to impact the most was my, myself and my brother. And she wanted to minister to her husband. 
riddled with cancer the day she got up to have surgery. You know what she did? She got up and she fixed my dad his bacon and eggs with orange juice on the day of her surgery. Not because my dad was like, listen, woman, you're going to go in there and make it for me. That wasn't my father. But she had a servant's heart that desired to put others before herself. Even when she was in the midst of all of her tribulations, her desire was to make sure her husband was taken care of and her children were okay. Motherhood is one of the most important roles in the world. Let me change that a little bit. Godly mothers, having a godly mother is one of the most important things in the world. Having a, mo- having a mother who has an eternal mindset is an eternal blessing. And the power of a godly woman can change the face of not just the home, but the world. You say, well, why is that, Caleb? Because they have influence in their homes. How many of you as kids have been influenced by your mother? Okay, a couple of us in the room. This is a thing that is important. So this morning I want us to look at the idea of what a godly woman is. What a godly woman is. And we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, in context, this is about husbands and wives. This is the roles of husbands and wives in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, but it, it begins and has a very um, an interesting turn here because it ends up talking about what a godly mother looks like or a godly woman. So we start with verse 1, because we're, just gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna get a running start at this. Verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So when they see your respectful and pure conduct, they are wanting to know more about the Lord. This is, this is directed at women who maybe have a husband that's not a believer. Now listen, he didn't say, what does the text say? Don't be the nag, but what does it say? What does it say? That they would be one without, without a what? How come you're not leading us in, in prayer? How come you're not taking us to church? Like, listen, you're not the Holy Spirit. You're not. But those who have a desire to want to see their families one to the Lord have a different countenance. Let's look at verse 3. Because this is the beginning of what a godly woman looks like. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let the adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable or imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which God in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Now, I want us to see this and see this in context because when you read this, it says, don't let the adorning be external. Now, there are groups of religious people who think and believe that it is sinful 
sinful for a woman to wear makeup. I'll never forget, there was a lady and a husband and wife who went to my dad's church named Butch and Ann Biesa. And Butch, and Butch was just an overall, overwear, overall wearing guy that just, he was just country. And Ann was his wife and she just, she didn't have a filter. And they came in together and she was, they were just bickering back and forth, back and forth. And they grabbed my dad and said, Pastor, we need to talk to you right now. I've got a, we've got a serious question and a debate that needs to be answered right now said, uh, is it sinful for a woman to wear makeup? And without missing a beat, my dad said, well, I think it's sinful for some women not to. <laughs> that was not me. That was a quote from my dad. So don't get mad at me. I'm just quoting my father. But the idea here is don't let your external beauty be the thing that you focus on. And I, listen, I'm not the guy that says wearing makeup is sinful. I'm not that guy. Listen, I got a wife who loves makeup. Our bank account likes it too. So, But it's, it's not wrong to wear makeup. But if you un- unpack this in its, in its original form here, he's saying, Peter's saying, don't make the, the adorning of the outward person be the primary thing you focus on. Don't make it all about the external. Because let me ask you, it, 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 you can't fix the external forever. Amen? It's going to, it's going to, there's going to be things that sag. There's going to be things that don't work. There's going to be, like, it's, listen, there's only so much surgery can fix. Amen? No, come on now, folks. Don't get, yeah, right? Just, he says, don't let, don't let the external rule your life. Don't let the external rule your life. He's saying godly women won't put all of their chips, they won't put all their eggs in that basket. They're not going to go all in on that and say, okay, listen, everything that I'm going to focus on is the outward expression, the, ex- the outward beauty. That's what I'm going to focus on. That's not what he says here. He says, focus not just on that. Don't just be the abrading of hair, but focus on the adorning of the hidden person of the heart. With an imperishable beauty, a, a gentle and quiet spirit, which the Lord finds precious. This is how the holy women hoped in God. That's, that's the key, is these women in the text, the, old, the older women, they hoped in God. They had a desire to love the Lord Jesus Christ because they knew that this was a temporary place. This is not our permanent home. Can I get an amen? Like, this is not our permanent home. This is a... This is a temporary dwelling place. And man, some of us are putting all our chips in thinking this is it. This is all of it right here. I promise you, this isn't all of it. We've got so much more to come. We've got so much more to come. So he says, don't put all of your your hope in external beauty. And, And don't be defined by external beauty. Don't be defined by external sensuality. In fact, this text is an appeal to modesty. It's an appeal to develop the mind and the soul of a woman, just not her body. Like this is a thing that cultivates your mind, ladies. Cultivate your heart. Cultivate your, your, your souls. It's a call to have 
inward beauty and have God be the center of your person. This is the idea. This is the woman that the Lord finds delightful. How do we know that? Because the text tells us so. That the God sees this woman who puts their, her hope in God, puts her hope in all of these things. God finds this woman not just precious, but very precious. So this is the beauty of it. And you say, well, where do we find a little bit more about what a godly woman looks like? I'm glad you asked. Um, Proverbs chapter 31. This is one that is, that is often referenced when talking about um, ladies. Proverbs chapter 31 has such great insight for us as men and women, both. But this is a, you want to look at what a, what a godly woman looks like. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10. Now I want you to, like we're going to unpack this. We've got plenty of time. So we're going to unpack this text starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find it. She is far more precious than jewels. So a godly woman is more excellent, is more precious, is more favorable, is more beautiful than precious jewels. We, we put a lot of emphasis on diamonds and rubies and sapphires and gold and all these different things. Ladies love a diamond. Amen? Ladies, help. Ladies, help me. Do you love a diamond? Okay. Well, it is like, yes, please. There we go. Got a couple. Jamie, you, uh, I, I don't know any woman who, if you presented them with a diamond ring or a diamond earring, they're not going to, oh my gosh, no. They're going to be, aw. Jamie, if, oh, let's just ask Jamie. Honey, if I got you a beautiful diamond necklace and a d- diamond earrings, are you going to be like, oh my gosh, gross. What are you going to do? You're going to be th- thankful. Okay, so this is the idea here. But God says, finding a godly woman is more is more excellent than these things. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She, she does him good and not harm. This is, this is a godly woman. Her desire is to lift her husband up and, and not, not belittle him, not emasculate him, but lift him up. She does him good, not harm. All the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with her hands willingly. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. So this is a, this is a lady that is constantly having a mindset of I've got things to do. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to take care of certain things. I mean, she's obviously into real estate here. She buys a field and, and, and considers it, buys it, and then she takes that and plants a vineyard. And, she, what's, and why does she do this? Because her mindset is, I want to help my family. I want to make sure my family's taken care of. Any women in here? You, what's one of the things you as women, mothers, do you want your families to be taken care of? Amen, right? That's, that's the desire. That's, that's what a godly woman has. A godly woman wants to see her family taken care of. She considers this field. She buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength. And her arms are strong. So so she's taking care of her physical body. She's not just 
laying around. She's actually got, she's, she, her arms are strong. Why, why is she strong? So that she can help take care of the family. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp go, does not go out at night. This means that she's constantly looking for avenues to take care of her family. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to those that are, that are needy. So she's not selfish. She has A godly woman has a desire to go and help those who are in need, the poor, the, those that may be a, a widow, uh, children. I, we just brought up a whole group of ladies. And, and you want to get them fired up. Watch what happens if one of those kids that have been in our church is in need. Like they're looking for avenues and ways to make sure that those babies are taken care of. Do they have enough food? Do they need something taken care of at their house? If there's something happening at their house that they feel is unfavorable, they're going to move heaven and earth to make sure that these babies are taken care of. That's what a woman does. That's what a godly woman does. She has a desire to make sure that those that are in need are taken care of. So she lives in an open-handed status. She doesn't just have a closed hand. It's mine. It's all mine. It's, I have a desire to want to live open-handedly. She is not afraid of snow. Listen. I've seen some of you ladies when it snows. You listen, right, we're going to get there. We're going to go. We're going to do these things. Not afraid of the snow. Why is she not afraid of the snow? Her household, for all of her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes sure that those babies are taken care of. Got enough. Listen, one of the things that Jamie does before she leaves in the wintertime, wear y'all's coats. And sometimes they don't wear them. But her desire is to make sure every one of the babies got a coat. Because why? She doesn't want them to be cold later in the day. I don't need a coat, Mom. I'll be fine. But she knows that at some point in the day, she's, they're going to be cold. So she says, I want to make sure that those babies are clothed in the right settings. She makes her bed coverings for herself and for her clothing. She is for, with fine linen and, and purple. Purple is a picture of royalty. Listen, mothers have a royal tendency. They are, they are the queens of our homes. They're the ones who... Take care of our homes. This is what a godly woman looks like. A woman who puts her hope in God. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates. And when he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and delivers sashes and mer- and sh- and, and, uh, to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothes and she laughs at the time to come so she's got a spirit of dignity she's got strength in her persona she's not intimidated by other women like man listen we live in a culture where women are intimidated or or what they perceive that another woman could be an intimidation they tend to want to try to let's get in here and nitpick anybody ever experienced that anybody maybe done done it But a godly woman is not intimidated by anyone else in her circles. She's not intimidated by another woman. She has dignity and clothed and strength. And she giggles. She laughs at the things that are going to come. Like things are going to get rough. Eh, It's okay. I know God's in charge. I know God's in, in control. And when she does open her mouth, 
She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of kindness is on the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She's not over gossiping. She's not open. Oh my gosh, did you see what sister so and so did? Oh my gosh. Let's talk about her. Let's talk. What is she? When she opens her mouth, it's wisdom that comes out. It's wisdom and teaching of kindness. She desire a godly woman was going to be is going to push out the narrative and push out the idea of being kind to one another, loving one another, and having pearls of wisdom come out of her mouth. She looks well to her the ways of her house. And, whole, and, and her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She doesn't, she's not lazy. She's willing to work. She's willing to do what's necessary to take care of her kids. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband is also, he also praises her. And so this is the idea. A, God, a genuinely godly woman who wants to see Jesus made much of constantly, her kids are looking for ways to say she's awesome. Her husband does the same thing. A a godly woman is going to be one who is praised by her family because she has the best intentions for her family. Now, many many women will have have done excellently, but you've surpassed them all. So this is the idea. A godly woman, listen, there's a lot of ladies out there, but a godly woman surpasses the rest of them. She's got the ability to surpass all other women. And she, when she does surpass, she doesn't gloat. She's not over there going, look at me. I'm so godly and so saintly and you're not. She doesn't do that. She's humble in her approach. She has a desire to see others reconciled to Christ. She has a, has a desire to see family members come to know the Lord. She has a desire to see people built up in who Christ is. And the idea here is a godly woman is going to spend time with God. A godly woman spends time in God's word. A godly woman spends time in prayer to God. And as a result of doing these things, when she speaks, the wisdom comes out of her mouth. Matt Chandler said this about this text. What's what's amazing is how self-assured this woman is because of the cultivation of her soul. Because when she opens her mouth, she speaks not only in wisdom, but in kindness. This means that she feels no need to, with her tongue, tear down other women who she views as a threat to her. So all the cattiness just disappears because she doesn't need to prove that she is better than anyone else. And she is not threatened by other women's talents or beauties because she has cultivated her own soul and not just her external beauty. She is confident in who Christ is in her. So the scripture here tells us to put our hope in God. Put our hope in in the things of God. Not just our external beauties. Not just having the right look. But rather knowing that Christ is the one who has built us up. Titus chapter 2, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Titus chapter 2 verses 4 through 5 says, Therefore, older women must train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure 
to work in their homes to be good and submissive um, to their husbands, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. This is, this is what a godly woman looks like. They, they will, if they are, listen, if you're a young woman in here, get around an older godly woman. If you're an older woman in the Lord, find young ladies and share pearls of wisdom with these younger ladies. Listen, I'm going to tell you, growing up, having kids, I didn't know what I was doing. Jamie didn't know what she was doing. You know who we leaned on a lot for all of our information about how to raise kids in the Lord? Our parents. Jamie got in touch with my mom often and talked to my mom about Man, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I want to break these kids. Anybody? It's, okay. Nobody in the room is being honest right now. You never wanted to have a moment where you want... Come on, ladies. Don't be afraid. This is a safe, this is a safe place. Just, just open your... It's okay. It'll be all right. But man, I'm telling you, she, she'd be on the phone bawling with my mom. I don't know what to do. Help. And you know what? My mom would come over and she'd say, this is how this works. This is how you hold the bottle. This is, what you, this is how this works. This is, it's okay. I'm right here. This is how this works. If you're an older lady, find a younger lady and sow into them the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them the gospel. Teach them how to be gospel-centered Wives and husbands, or wives and mothers. This is what it looks like. This is what the older women did. They trained up younger women. There has been an, listen, there has been an assault on the biblical idea of motherhood. And why do you think that is? Because the enemy knows that if he can destroy the home, then he can destroy the church. And if he can destroy the church, he can destroy the nation. And so, as the home goes, so goes the nation. And listen, we need a revival of biblical homes in our nation. Where we have mothers and fathers who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Who supremely love His Word. And they pursue the things of God and not the things of this world. Man, I just was talking with our Sunday school group in this morning. And this is the idea in Proverbs chapter 1. You're all getting this one for free. It's not in my notes. This is the idea when, when sin entices a family member. When kids are enticed by sin. And listen, the world is doing their dead level best to entice your children to wander into sin. This is what the, 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 the writer of Proverbs says. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is the idea of a godly father and a godly mother in the home teaching, thus saith the Lord, about these things. What happens when you do not forsake your mother's teaching? For they will be a graceful garland on your head and a pendant around your neck. See, the idea the garland around your head is like a crown. Like we're, listen. We're crowning our kids to be the next generation kings and queens. That, that's what we're doing. Are you teaching your children what it looks like to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all their hearts? Or are you just saying, well, I'll let you decide. 
I know how it's happening in the world by the, by the majority is most parents are saying, well, you just decide on your own. Listen, kids, when they're allowed to do what they want, are going to burn a hemisphere down. Let them go in your house for a little bit and don't give any instruction or any rules or any guidelines. Your house will be on fire soon. It, it'll happen. Like I knew if that mom and dad went away to go watch a movie or something, they'd leave me and David at the house. Like we had very, like I knew the rules. Now David, he's not here to defend himself, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. David would try to burn the house down. But, older brother, I was the rule follower. We can't do that. Can't do that, right? Because I knew, you know who's going to get in trouble? Not David. If I come back and the house is on fire, guess who gets grounded? Not David. David's small baby. It's okay. Did, did Caleb hurt you? So the idea here is what? Godly fathers, godly mothers giving instructions to their children. And it's this idea of giving them, we're crowning them as parents. We're saying, listen, you're, you're the next generation. I'm teaching you. I'm discipling you. Uh, listen, and I know I told my Sunday school class this morning, this is a word that is not favorable in the culture today. But we're indoctrinating our kids. You say, oh my gosh, Caleb, you're indoctrinating. Listen, if you're not indoctrinating your kids, somebody else is waiting in the wings to do it. If you're not willing to indoctrinate your kids with this is what the Bible says about all things, there's going to be somebody that's willing, ready, and able to jump in and say, well, this is how we think things should run. And man, listen. People want to, why is our country in such a mess? Because we've abandoned the word of God. We've, we've shunned this thing. We've thrown this on the shelf and just said, ah, oh, we don't need that. It builds up dust and there's nothing that takes place in our homes that says, our home, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. What do we serve in our homes? Screens. Upkeep. All the things that just we want to be distracted. You know what we are? We're a babe, we're babies in a crib watching the mobile go around and around, and the house is on fire. We're just like, oh wow, there comes the lion again. Ha-ha! <laughs> All the while the whole house is on fire. We're ignoring it. We've we've got everything we need for life and godliness right here, and what are we doing? I don't like that musty old book. It's it's got too many rules and regulations. It's not for your begrudging submission. These are laid out for your joy. And those that are in Christ who have loved the Lord Jesus Christ, when you follow his mandates, is it not filled with satisfaction and joy? Can I get an amen from somebody? I'm telling you, I've been on both sides of the pathway. Where I have not pursued the things of the Lord. I've pursued my flesh. I've done what I wanted to do. And I'm telling you, it didn't end up where I wanted to go. And it left me lacking. And it left me feeling empty. But when I submitted myself to Christ. When I submitted myself to what God called me to do. What happens? I find joy that can never be quenched. I find genuinely real, honest-to-goodness happiness that can never be quenched. This is the idea in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your gloom to joy. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and He will exalt you. You want to be exalted? Humble yourself before the Lord. What we need is a good old-fashioned revival in our homes where we say, this is what God's Word says, kids. Listen. God made you who you are for a reason. You're not a mistake. Well, I feel like I'm not that way. I I feel, of course you're going to feel that way. You're sinful. You're broken by sin. Everything about you is fractured because of sin. It's Christ that brings us back together. It's Christ that restores. It's Christ that reconciles. Not the enemy. The enemy's over there whispering in your ear. Yes, listen. There's a, there's a better way, and I know God made you this way, but maybe, maybe there's something better on the other fence, on the other side of the fence. And then we believe the lies. The enemy is a liar, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to tear you apart. And what we need is a good old-fashioned dose of repentance and saying, God, I'm sorry that I have pursued my flesh. And I know that that doesn't help. I know that you don't feel like that's going to help. But I can promise you it will. It's the answer. The answer to the problems in our homes. The answer to the problems in our marriages. The answer to the problems in our world is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Like I'm telling you, that's the hope that we have here. Our hope is to put our hope in God. I'm not putting my hope in any political action party. My hope is in Christ and Christ alone. The enemy wants to destroy the family. The enemy wants to destroy our homes. And the only way we can stop that is if we get on guard against the things of this world. And the only way we do that is Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You've got to take time to read this. Well, God, Caleb, I don't like to read that bull. Yes, you do. You spend time reading articles online, reading silly books, but you don't have time to read this. You know why we don't have time for this? Because this is like a mirror that exposes our dirtiness, and we don't want to see ourselves for who we truly are, because we might have to change. God, we need to change. We we need to change. 